Hello, and welcome to Seroptimus International Voices, where we give a global voice to women and girls. SI Voices is a space where women's stories and issues are heard as we celebrate 100 years of our remarkable organization. We will reveal and rediscover the history of our global movement while educating and informing on many of the key challenges affecting women and girls today. Welcome, everyone, to this episode of SI Voices. My name is Sue Riney, and I'm very excited to introduce today's guest, Heidi Stephanition Piper, who had over 30 years of career experience as a United States Naval officer, NASA astronaut, engineer, salvage officer, and diver, and is currently a member of the Speakers Bureau for the U.S. State Department. Welcome, Heidi, and thank you for speaking with us. Well, thank you, Sue. I'm very happy to be here. You have quite an amazingly impressive background. Can you share with us a bit about yourself and how you have come to be where you are today? Sure. You know, when I was growing up, I never would have thought this is the career I've had. But I think what put me on the right track is the fact that my parents really stressed education to us. Uh, Both my parents came to the United States from Europe. Uh, My mother came from Germany. My father came from the Ukraine. And they met in the United States, had a family. I have four brothers. And so the five of us, we were always stressed to, to study hard in school. And when I was going through school, my favorite subject was math. And I graduated from high school in 1980. And that was about the time when they really made a big push to get more girls that were going to college to start studying engineering and become engineers. And so I benefited from that, and I applied to a number of different schools. And one of the schools was MIT, the Massachusetts Institute of Technology, which is a very good engineering school here in the United States. And so I thought, okay, if MIT accepted me, then that's where I'm going to go to college. And then I looked at the tuition bill. So I said, okay, what other options are available? And one of them was the military. Uh, Here in the United States, uh, the military has a program called ROTC, which stands for Reserve Officer Training Corps. But basically what it is, is it's a program at a number of different uh, colleges throughout the United States um, where the military will pay for your tuition and other fees, and in exchange, you spend time in the military um, as an officer. And so I thought, okay, I can spend five years in the military in exchange for my college education paid for. And so that's, uh, that's the route I chose. And after my freshman year, I was convinced I'm going to go fly in the Navy. Well, by the time I graduated and I had my final physical for flight school, I found out that I failed the eye test to become a pilot. And so at the time, I thought, well, if I can't be a pilot, I looked at a different option, and Navy diving looked like a good possibility. Definitely had to do a lot of work because it's very physical. And the hardest part was uh, getting my runtime down and getting the required number of pull-ups for the physical test. But uh when they say girls can't do push-ups, that's wrong. Girls can do push-ups. It just takes a lot of work. So off I went to dive school, went out into the Navy, went into the fleet. Um, I was doing underwater ship repair. 
and salvage work. And I really, really liked the work I was doing. And after a couple of years, I met another officer that was applying to the space program. So I started talking to him, found out you don't need to become a pilot to be an astronaut. And I thought, well, I have an engineering degree. It's what NASA requires, a technical degree. Um, I had work experience fixing ships, fixing ships underwater. At the time, NASA hadn't started building the space station yet. And a lot of the repairs in the space station were going to be done by sending astronauts out in a spacesuit. And so the more I looked at that, I said, you know, that looks a lot more like diving than flying. So I thought I'd go ahead and apply. And I did. And first time, I didn't get accepted, so I had to try again. But the second time is when I got accepted. And then I went off to NASA and spent 13 years in the space program, made two space shuttle flights, total of five spacewalks. So it just... Uh, that's how my career fell together. That is such an impressive resume, Heidi. So Heidi, I understand that the speaking engagements you've been involved in recently have taken you to a variety of countries. Can you share a bit about that? Um, yes, Sue. And just a little bit of background is uh, I've had the opportunity to uh, partner with the State Department, the U.S. State Department, um, where the embassies in U.S. embassies and countries overseas, they like to bring over U.S. speakers and they bring about a wide variety of U.S. speakers over just to showcase to the local populations, um, you know, what Americans have done and also try to motivate um, that kind of uh, response in, in other countries. And yes, the countries that I've been to recently, um, it started out, uh, spent some time in Georgia in Azerbaijan and Estonia. And last year I had the opportunity to go back to Ukraine, which for me was real special since my father came from Ukraine. I think it's fantastic that you've been able to um, observe and participate in uh, that role to help bring um, gender equality in these STEM professions to other parts of the world. That is uh, one of the objectives of our Seroptimist work is to empower girls to uh, get educated and have access to ed education. And by doing so, we're <clears throat> going to be helping provide a um, more peaceful and financially stable society. So Heidi, as well as your many accolades, I am really proud to say that you are also a Seroptimist. What inspired you to become a member of Seroptimist and what aspect of your membership do you most enjoy? Well, when I first learned about Seroptimist, I was uh, very pleased to hear about an organization that is um, about women and for women. Um, because I know quite often that, uh, you know, girls don't get the attention that they need to be able to succeed. You know, in, in math classes, you hear about stories how, you know, girls, especially once they get to the high school age that, you know, they determine that, oh, math isn't for me, or, you know, still the stereotypes of, you know, engineering is a, you know, a men's career. But that's just not true. There's no, there's nothing that says, you know, girls can't go into math, they can't go into science, they can't go into engineering. And sometimes it just requires a little bit of um, motivation to help them get there. I know when I was in high school, 
if I hadn't had these programs that were trying to stress um, to girls, hey, look, this is a career option for you, um, I may never have become an engineer. Um, so when I uh, learned about Seroptimus and, and learned that, yes, we have a, a mentoring program um, for girls called Dream It, Be It, and so I was very excited about that because that was something that I wanted to get involved in and to be able to just um, help these girls and, you know, maybe motivate them to think that, hey, I can become just like her. Um, and you know what? I'm good at math and nobody told me that I can actually use my math to do something. And, and so that's what I've been really excited about uh, most with Seroptimist. Your area of work is in what we call STEM, which stands for science, technology, engineering, math. And it's sometimes referred to as STEAM, where you add the A for arts as another integral component. Uh, it's important for us to talk today about STEM as we're trying to encourage more girls in these currently male-dominated fields. Can you tell us about your own personal motivation for pursuing a STEM career? Did did you know from an early age that you were interested in science? I think it first dawned on me that I was going to go into a technical field was, you know, I remember in, was either third or fourth grade, and in, in math class, we had this, like a puzzle type um, activity. And I re just remember you know, constantly going through them, um, you know, they started out with addition and then subtraction and then multiplication. And every time I finished one, I automatically went on to the next one and to the next one and to the next one. And I think at that point, my teachers realized that, uh, you know, I was going to finish out the entire um, year's worth of activities in about a month. And so um, having that uh, foundation of, of math um, also helped me in going on to, to high school, where again, they let me work on my own. And so I finished basically four years of math and, and, or five years of math and four years of high school. And so then when I went to college, I already had a basis of calculus. And so I could continue on and get into the engineering because one of the things of, of engineering is you have to have a good math background in order to be a successful engineer. And so I think that's what just started my motivation was um, it was something that I was working on and I found out that I was good at it and I would just keep working. So after your successful and fulfilling career at NASA and achieving all that you have, uh, as you said, you're now volunteering, uh, speaking with girls and speaking in local schools, giving talks to girls in schools about STEM education. And I have read that in some recent studies, they found that girls' interest in STEM courses it tends to decrease a bit after they're 10 years old or so. Um, and that can be due to having a lack of female role models or feeling they're not smart enough to do some of the math courses or, or they buy into that stereotype that the courses are more suited to boys. So from your work volunteering in schools and speaking to groups of female students, have you noticed this taking place or heard girls voice these particular feelings? You know, Sue, I have heard that. Um, and I think there's also you know, what people perceive as what is an engineer 
And a lot of times they think of an engineer as, you know, somebody that's going to be always tinkering there, um, you know, getting their, their hands dirty. And there's more to engineering than just that. And when I go out and talk to girls, um, you know, I tell them that, yes, that is one aspect of engineering. And if that's what you want to do um, in your career, then, yeah, you can definitely do that. But that's not all that engineers do. And there are many different aspects of of, uh, of engineering, um, whether it's um, even, and even just looking at the different type of engineering, um, where you have mechanical engineering, electrical engineering, civil engineering, nuclear engineering, aerospace engineering, you know, just about anything that, you know, requires it to be built and you modify it and design it, um, that's going to require an engineer. And so there's, there's lots of different things to do there. Um, and earlier when you, when you talked about STEM and you added the A in there of STEAM, of the arts, um, you know, that part of, you know, the arts with engineering, um, you need to have some artistic flair in your engineering. Um, another very, you know, artistic aspect of engineering and science is architecture. Um, you know, you need to have a, a pleasing building, um, but you have to also have, you know, the scientific knowledge and the engineering knowledge and to know that something you're designing something is actually going to be feasible other than, yeah, it looks really pretty, but it's going to fall apart. Based on some of the experiences you've had and seen in various schools, is there a type of environment or culture that you have identified as being more encouraging than others to provide greater participation by girls in STEM studies? So I think one of the things that uh, would be beneficial is if, you know, teachers and parents don't look at, you know, STEM engineering science as being either, you know, a, a, a boy subject or a girl subject. And so if a student is showing aptitude in, in math and in science and, and not try to um, put people in little, you know, pigeonholes to say, yeah, you got to you got to do this because you're a boy. You got to do this because you're a girl. Um, you know, I knew when I was growing up, um, to me, that gender role was kind of um, non-existent because I went to an all-girls high school. And so uh, during my last years in, in high school, there was, you know, never, a, you know, they're only going to talk to the boys or anything like that because there were no boys. So it was all the girls. And, um, and so I think it's just really important to not, you know, delineate things so much by gender, but more by, by aptitude and desire. So besides pursuing those areas of interest that you're good at, is there any other advice that you have given girls that you've met and spoken with in terms of recommendations of, of if they're considering pursuing a STEM career, is there any other advice you give them? Well, probably the biggest advice I can give them is just don't give up is, you know, engineering is going to be hard. Um, that's probably one of the reasons why we don't graduate as many engineers um, as we do other majors is because it is hard. Um, there's a lot that goes into um, 
having that um, knowledge, there's a lot to learn. There's a lot of um, a lot of work that's required as an engineer. But the thing is, is it's not impossible. And it's I always tell them it's like a puzzle, and puzzles have an answer. And a lot of times, part of the challenge is going through that process and trying to figure out what the correct answer is. And you know what? Quite often, what you come up with at the end may not be anything that you started with, but it's that learning process and and understanding that, you know what? You're going to have uh, failures along the way. That's just part of, of what it is, of, of building something, designing something. It's just not going to come out the way you planned first time around. So what do you do? You look at what you made a mistake at, go figure out what went wrong, go fix it and just, and press on. And I think that perseverance is probably one of the things that you need to have if you're going to go into the sciences because um, life's not perfect, but that's okay. Another recent research study that I came across indicated that girls may have more interest in pursuing a STEM career if it involves um, working on world problems and was wondering if you have had any um, uh, exposure to that through your conversations. Well, Sue, that's one of the things that I actually really like about these robotic competitions um, um, because in addition to uh, building the robot for the competition, is the students also get the opportunity to work on a problem. They're given a problem and they have to come up with a solution. You know, I remember throughout the years um, being involved in, uh, in, in judging and then in um, going out and talking to the groups and, and listening to what the students propose as their, as their solutions. Um, some of them do tackle very real problems. Um, you know, they're, they're, they're taught to, okay, go look at alternate um, energy sources. Um, a couple of years back, they had a space theme. And so it was, you know, how are you, you know, how do you um, help astronauts um, on orbit? And they're given different, different options, um, whether it's exercise or, you know, mental health. Um, you know, what can you design to, to make somebody feel better when they're isolated and far away from home and things like that. And so, you know, there you have to start thinking outside the box. And, you know, we're not expecting, you know, fifth graders to to solve these problems, but it gets them to start thinking about, well, what would it take? And in many cases, they will build, you know, I've seen these students build, you know, a little prototype, and it's, you know, something that's just built out of paper. But, you can see that there, that that thought process is starting is to get them to think about bigger issues. Again, the key is you start them thinking about it when they're, when they're younger. Um, and so that just carries through them um, as they're going on, you know, throughout their studies. And so you plant that seed early and, uh, and from there, um, then they'll go off to building bigger things. And then when they get into, into the high schools and, and even into college, um, they have the opportunities to do, you know, whether it's an internship or a summer project, um, 
that they can go off and, you know, try to tackle some of these big world projects, but they're, they tackle them just little steps at a time. And this is just the type of problem solving and critical thinking we want to help girls develop worldwide through our Seroptimus projects. And hopefully they'll turn into uh, community changers that build water systems and uh, bring in technology. I just love this train of thought. Thank you, Heidi. So with the COVID-19 pandemic and um, changes to online or distance learning, it is more important than ever for girls to be able to access and continue their education. Has COVID and so many schools going virtual impacted your ability to speak and inspire girls who may wish to pursue a STEM career? COVID has definitely put a, uh, a damper on a lot of events. Um, you know, everything from me going out to a school, uh, because the schools are not in session, I can't go physically uh, visit a school. I have throughout the year, I have done a number of events, you know, via via Zoom and other, um, you know, webinar type events to be able to reach out to to students, uh, whether it's elementary school or, or even at the college level. Uh, but there is, you know, something different between, you know, actually getting to to see an astronaut and hear them and be in the same room um, versus doing it um, online. Uh, but, you know, the unfortunately, the situation um, with COVID requires us all to be isolated and we can't all gather together, so we make do. Um, and uh, I think it's important that, um, that all students, boys and girls, um, that they have, you know, equal access to as many of the opportunities that they would have had in school. It's just going to be different online. Um, you know, even the robotics programs, obviously you can't get students together to build a robot um, and so that's, you know, that activity has been um, set aside, but we just have to, you know, keep the contact and, and try to do as much, you know, remotely that we can so that, um, you know, hopefully in the not too distant future that uh, we'll be able to get back together again and then just continue on um, with what we had been doing to stimulate that interest and desire um, in the technical world. Thank you so much, Heidi. I know I have learned a lot from what you've shared, and I'm sure our listeners did as well. Education and access to education for girls is at the heart of the work in which seroptimists around the world are engaged. Our projects and advocacy work that help girls continue learning and returning to school are critical. We invite all our listeners to join with Seroptimist in that effort. And if you'd like to know more about how you can get involved, just reach out to us via our website, www.seroptimistinternational.org. Thank you so much, Heidi, for joining us today. And thank you to all of our listeners for joining us as well. We invite you to subscribe to SI Voices so that you can join us for all of our future podcasts. You've been listening to SI Voices, a podcast hosted by Seroptimist International. 
Follow us on social media for our latest news and updates at Seroptimus Global on Facebook and Instagram and at Seroptitweet on Twitter. You can also check out our website, seroptimusinternational.org. Please join us next time on SI Voices.